Hello guys, it's Katie and welcome back to another episode of Crime and Crochet. In this week's episode, we're going to be discussing the case of the Chicago Tylenol murders, which was a case that caused seven deaths between September and October of 1982. The first reported death from the Tylenol murders happened on September 29th of 1982. Mary Kellerman, who was 12 at the time, died from ingesting a capsule of extra-strength Tylenol. Later that day, Adam Jamis, who was 27, died in the hospital after also ingesting Tylenol. His brother Stanley, who was 25, and sister-in-law Teresa who was 19, also died after taking Tylenol from the same exact bottle. Within the next few days, Sarah McFarland, who was 31, Pamela Prince, who was 35, and Mary Rainer, who was 27, ended up dying in similar instances. So all of them had ingested Tylenol at some point before their death, probably recent before their death. And once it was realized that all of these people had recently ingested Tylenol, tests were immediately done to see what was wrong with these Tylenol capsules, since they were the only thing linking all of these deaths. And that is when it revealed that cyanide was present in the capsules. So obviously warnings were issued via the media and patrols using loudspeakers warning residents throughout the Chicago metropolitan area to discontinue use of Tylenol products. But I'm just like, could you imagine? You're just like in your house and you hear on a loudspeaker, there's poison in the Tylenol. Do not take the Tylenol. Like, what? That is insane. Anyway, continuing on. Investigators tracked down where these Tylenol capsules were being made at and it came back that they were either manufactured in Pennsylvania or Texas which would not make sense if you think about it because only people in Chicago are being poisoned and dying from these Tylenol capsules so that suggests that it is being tampered with after it's put on the shelf instead of being tampered with at the actual factory. Since they realized that it was obviously being tampered with after it was put on the shelves, the investigators came up with a theory that someone was probably taking these Tylenol bottles off the shelves and then taking them home, taking them somewhere, and lacing them with cyanide and putting them back on the shelf. And obviously unknowing customers ended up buying it and the people that ended up taking it obviously had fatal consequences and they did actually find a couple of more bottles in the Chicago area as well that luckily nobody had taken any Tylenol from before the incidents. Johnson & Johnson, the company that manufactured Tylenol, obviously wanted to reassure the public so they sent out warnings to hospitals and distributors as well as they halted the production and advertising for Tylenol. Apparently, there were also other incidents of strychnine being found in Tylenol bottles in California, which that is something that's used in pesticides 
to kill bugs, obviously, so not good to be found in other Tylenol bottles. But um, after that, a nationwide recall for Tylenol products was issued on October 5th of 1982. It is estimated that there was about 31 million bottles in circulation with a retail value of over $100 million, and that is equivalent to $268 million in 2020. So that was a huge loss for the company to obviously have to recall that huge amount of Tylenol. Not only that, but the company also advertised for individuals to not consume any of the products that were capsules, since it had been determined that only the capsules were tampered with. And Johnson Johnson also offered to exchange capsules that had already been purchased by the public for solid tablets. So I don't know how many of those they actually exchanged, but if they did do a lot of that, then that is probably another big, big loss for the company. But again, something they kind of had to do. They really had no choice, even though these poisonings were not really their fault. In the beginning of the investigation, a man by the name of James William Lewis was accused of sending a letter to Johnson & Johnson demanding $1 million to stop the cyanide-induced murders. Obviously, he was arrested for this, and he was tried and convicted of extortion and sentenced to 10 years in prison. During the trial, his attorneys claimed that he only, quote, intended only to focus the attention of the authorities on his wife's former employer, which apparently he was trying to accuse him now, even though he wrote this letter. I don't know. Very confusing, but um, either way, he was sentenced to 10 years for this. So whether he did the actual poisonings or not, I don't think anybody really knows, but um, I guess he did, in fact, write this letter demanding money from Johnson & Johnson, which is enough of a crime on its own to be sentenced to jail time but now there was a second man who was a suspect for a little while by the name of Roger Arnold and he was investigated but cleared of the killings and I guess he had a nervous breakdown due to all the media attention which he blamed on a bar owner by the name of Marty and in the summer of 1983 Arnold shot and killed a man named John who he thought was Marty, but apparently he was not, and um, for this crime, he was convicted in January of 1984 and served 15 years of a 30-year sentence of second-degree murder, and he didn't serve the rest of it because he died in June of 2008, which is very bizarre that somebody else committed murder that was a suspect of a murder crime like serial killer crime I don't know what to think about that but apparently he was investigated and cleared of the crime and with the first suspect James all we know is that he wrote this letter to Johnson and Johnson so was he trying to capitalize on 
the idea of getting money and pretending like he killed all these people? Or did he actually do it? I don't know. But that's all we have for this case, pretty much. I mean, there's not really a solid answer for who actually did this, who actually tampered with these Tylenol pills and actually killed this many people. We don't know. But there is a few things I do want to talk about that they have obviously changed with medication so that things like this do not happen again. There were some more copycat crimes to come, such as in New York when a woman died in 1986 from a, again, a Tylenol capsule that was tampered with. So it is kind of crazy that it took Johnson & Johnson a little while to actually change things, but as far as pharmaceutical changes, tamper-resistant packaging such as induction seals, improved quality control methods to where obviously if that is tampered with, you don't take any of the pills that are in the bottle, as well as companies started to stray away from capsules because those are easier to tamper with and start to do more tablets instead. And that has kind of been it for the changes and what has happened since. And again, this is really unsolved. I mean, there's one person that's serving a sentence, again, for writing that letter, but not for actually committing the murders, because there is no evidence. There was some information about a bearded man being caught on camera behind Pamela Price, one of the victims, and um, they thought that maybe this was the killer and the guy that did actually tamper with all of the Tylenols, but of course there was really no evidence of um, any of that being true. So we really have no idea, and obviously this has been unsolved since 1982 when it happened. But anyways, with that, let's just get into the crochet pattern for this week. This week's crochet pattern feature is by Gardenho.crochet on Instagram. That is, again, Gardenho.crochet on Instagram. And this pattern is for a blueberry snail. Its name is Bluebert, which is so cute, you guys. And um, it is a free pattern that is beginner-friendly and um, you can find it on her Instagram page. And also she's planning on releasing more fruit snail patterns as well. So they're all going to be super cute, I'm sure. And again, make sure you guys check her out. That is gardenho.crochet on Instagram. And I know she also has an Etsy shop where she sells the physical products as well. So if you guys are interested in checking out any of that, of course, you can always just go to my Instagram which is at Crime and Crochet, where you'll be able to see all of the sources that I used for this episode, as well as pictures of the pattern and the people involved in this case. And you'll also be able to get links for the pattern. So that is about it. But again, check out Bluebert if you guys are interested in the pattern. So again, before I wrap up this episode, I just wanted to remind you guys that you can check out today's crochet pattern as well as my sources, pictures of the people involved in this case, and much, much more over on my Instagram at crime and crochet as all one word. 
as well as if you want to help me out, the best way you can help me is leave a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you are listening on if you are enjoying the podcast. With that, thank you so much for listening to this episode, and I hope you will join me here next Saturday for the next episode of Crime and Crochet, and make sure y'all are staying safe out there so you don't end up being one of these victims we talk about every week. Goodbye, y'all.